Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 1946's The Best Years of Our Lives, directed by William Wyler and starring Myrna Loy and Frederick March. But before we do that, let's talk about what we've been watching. Dave, what have you been watching? Um, I watched Victim from, uh, I think, 1961. Okay. Um, it's an English film um, about blackmail, and the people who are being blackmailed are being shaken down because of their sexuality. Okay. And it was a uh, powerful movie um, for its time, and even even today, uh, mm-hmm. it's it's very mature, and it's it's just interesting that in at that time in Britain, they were already past a lot of the the you know strictures of the production code. It's really great to watch, and Dirk Bogart is an excellent actor. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. It's a, it's a worth it's worth a watch. Yes, very much so. Okay, awesome. Victim, nineteen sixty one. Yes. Okay, sounds good. I watched Inception, the Christopher Nolan movie. Okay. Uh, for some reason, my eight year old son wanted to watch it. And I said, <laughs> "Hell yeah!" <laughs> right. Uh, it, this is a fantastic science fiction movie. If anyone has never seen it, yeah, I think he made it after The Dark Knight. He did. And um, I think he only agreed to make The Dark Knight Rises so they would fund Inception. Uh, so okay, yeah, <laughs> I think that's what what happened there. But this movie is about going into dreams inside of other dreams and things like that, and implanting ideas and Leonardo DiCaprio and you know all that stuff. Yeah, so, sure, yeah, right. It's a, <laughs> it's pretty good. It's a mind bender, and it's it might be his best movie actually. Yeah, I mean, and when you say that the, he only did Dark Knight Rises so that they would fund this one, it tells you that it's probably a very personal movie to him. Yeah. And I, I loved it, too, when I saw it, of course. And this movie still has probably... It will probably never be interpreted correctly. Yeah. Um, or even... It's been interpreted correctly 17 different ways. Yeah, you know? that's what's great about it. Right. Is you can read it so many ways and at so many levels. Uh, it's a fantastic science fiction movie. It is. It's really imaginative and really original. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Inception. Everybody yep. watch it. So now let's talk about something not science fiction at all. Mm-hmm. It's 1946's The Best Years of Our Lives, Dave. Why don't you give everyone a synopsis? Okay. Well, this is a, uh, a very special film uh, from 1946. And um, what it is is these three guys who fought in World War II and they are coming back to their hometown of Boone City and they have to uh, kind of readjust to civilian life after having been a long time away. And uh, they have relationships and one of them is coming home a double amputee. Yeah. And he has to deal with that both for himself and also um, how his family and friends are going to to deal with his problem. So let's get into it. Yeah. Uh, This movie... Uh, right off the bat, it was nominated for, I think, 11 Academy Awards uh-huh. and uh, 1946, and it won seven, yeah. including Best Picture. And the reason we chose this movie for today's episode is because I was reading a Collider's Best Best Picture list. Yeah. It had all the Best Picture winners ranked from worst to best. Mm-hmm. And this was number one on the list. And... I was like, I'd never seen this. That might be fun to watch. And David never seen it either. Right. So that's why we're doing it. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, this movie is pretty damn good. I can't believe <laughs> neither of us had ever seen it. This movie is so damn good. I know. It's fantastic. Um, and I think, uh, so the three guys, you got uh, Dana Andrews is Fred. Yeah. Harold Russell is Homer, who is a non-actor. Yes. Apparently. He is an actual double amputee from World War II. That's right. A veteran from the war who was cast in this role. Yep. Um, and then you got Frederick March, which is Al Stevenson. He's the older gentleman who's returning, I guess. Yes. Um, and you see all three of them go through their lives and readjust. And the movie opens with uh, Fred at the airport trying to get a ticket back home or whatever. And he has to go to some building and wait for some airplane. And yes. he ends up meeting Homer and then Al there. And they all ride, you know, to the same town together. They right. didn't know each other in the war, but they're all coming home to the same place. They exactly. all came from the same town. And now, now they've met for the first time and they're going back home. Yep. And the whole first 15 minutes of the movie is them talking about their experience. Kind of. Not in depth, but a little bit. Their kind of expectations of going home and things like this. And them actually arriving home and kind of the 
excitement, but also fear of going back into normal life. Like this all happens in 15 minutes and you see them all go back to their homes. That was really unexpected too. Yeah. I went on when they finally get like stateside and are riding home in the cab mm-hmm. um, at each guy's house that they stop at. Uh, first it's Homer mm-hmm. and he like all of a sudden decides, Hey, you guys want to go over to Butch's place? Yeah. It's my uncle's place. It's a great spot. Mm-hmm. And Dana Andrews and Frederick March look at each other mm-hmm. and they just kind of in unison kind of shake their heads. Nope. This is where you get off Homer. No, you're home. Yes. Get out. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to face this. Yep. And then you think, okay, well, well, they're just like shepherding along a younger guy. But then when they get to Dana Andrews' place, he does the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Because, um, <laughs> you know, like, I can't imagine what it's like to come home from something like that where, where the rest of life is going to not pale in comparison, but be completely unlike what you've just experienced. Exactly. And I think Fred, it probably shows the most for Fred's character because he was a soda jerk. Yeah, back here. That's right. At some drugstore. Yep. You know, and he was he was piloting bombers. He was captaining these things. Yes. In the war, he was an important guy. Yeah, that's right. And he did extremely important things. We find out later, like all the medals and things he's gotten. Like he doesn't even care about them, even. Right. But his parents find his like papers and stuff, and they're like, "Oh my god." Yeah, they they actually read out what the what the commendations. This guy's say a war hero. Yeah. He, and he was he, doing heroic things. He makes things. a dime a dime a day, you know, making root beer floats. Right. You know, that's right. this guy, and that's all over America. That's mm-hmm. all over every country that was in that war. Like people who were just plucked out of every day, and mm-hmm. just you know, like like made to do. For first of all, made to fight in combat that they didn't start, which yeah. is every war. Right. And then asked to uh, to do something that like no human should have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's. It's messed up. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> so Al, they offer him his job back, and they wanted to be like the lone, like vice president for war veterans. Yeah. So he's like got a promotion, and I like how it shows these two different people who were doing the same kind of thing in the war, and they come home and they're treated differently. Right. And Homer, he's a whole different story because he's lost his hands, and now he has these claws. Yeah. That he can use his elbow joints to like open and close. Right. Um. And I think his character, he's my favorite character in the movie. Yeah, of probably. course. Yeah, of uh, course. And then he has some of the best scenes in the movie. And he won an Oscar for this, actually. Yes, along with Hang S. Noor, who we yeah. talked about on The Killing Fields. These are two non-professional actors who were given the acting's highest honor for their performances in a movie. Mm-hmm. And they're both well-deserved. And they're both uh, survivors of war of and course. conflict. And that's how... That's why their performances are so effective because they're drawing on this real experience. Sure. And we're seeing it on the screen. I mean, you know, the Academy can be up their butts kind of sometimes <laughs> yes, and of just course. give people awards like, oh, he was actually in the war. Let's give him an award. You yeah. Know? Yeah. No, like he's actually drawing this emotion out and like just splattering it for us to watch. Yes. He is acting. Yeah. R- regardless of whether he went through it or not, this yeah. is an acting performance mm-hmm. and he's helped by being around great people. Yes. Um, but they bring out the best in him. I mean, in every one of his scenes, this no. is, this guy is playing Homer Parrish. He's not he's not doing Harold Russell. Yeah, exactly. And he, I mean, he doesn't even have a job. I guess here right. he's he's kind of helpless, which is his whole thing. Yes, and that's what he's worried about uh, being a burden. Yes, basically, because when they're coming home, they like ask him, you know, have you got a girl or whatever, and he's like, yeah, Wilma, we've been together forever. We're gonna get married, you know. Before the war, they were going to get married after he comes back, you know, and then he comes home and he won't marry her because he refuses to be a burden to her. You know, he feels so guilty about this, even though she constantly is telling him, I don't care about this. I love you. Right. We need to get married. Come on, Homer. I know. And he just won't do it. And he, he, he says to her something about how. That the last thing he wants is for her to suffer in the rest of her life just because she has a good heart. Yeah, that's a good line. Which is like, I mean, that is the saddest thing you can imagine. It's sad too because it's he's it's kind of like saying you don't love me, you yeah. just pity me. Right, right. Well, of course she loves you, dude. It's all over her face and yeah. her actions, and and she's the same person that he left. You know when he went to war, and because he's going through this thing mm-hmm. um, that that like is unimaginable. When he when they do go to Butch's that first night, 
Um, but and Butch is. It, I like love a, that scene. It, it's it's a oh, really it's good so scene good. of of the three guys just meeting like they just happen to meet up in this pub, right? And uh, and Butch is the proprietor. He's also Homer's uncle, mm-hmm. and he uh, like Homer confides in Butch to tell him you know what kind of what he's going through. He says, "Well, this per- uh, my parents are doing this, and and Wilma's doing this, and my other uncle's doing this." And uh, Butch goes, "So you mean whatever they do is wrong, huh?" Mm-hmm. And like that's it says it all. It exactly explains the situation. Like no matter mm-hmm. how they treat Homer, he's going to feel that they're pitying him, and right. and that and that what they're doing is insincere. I think he says, you know, I, he was sitting there and he says, "Pop was cleaning his pipe." And then he all of a sudden just kind of put his hands under the table to keep doing it because he felt guilty yeah. that he had hands right. and Homer didn't. Like it was his fault or something. Homer's totally yeah. projecting of, of, mm-hmm. of this, this, this meaningless gesture of his dad putting his hands under a table that meant nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Homer thinks that it's his dad feeling guilty for having hands. Yeah. And that's what Homer has to get over. Yeah. And he even says in that scene in the shed, he's like, I got to do it myself. Which you need to do it. Of you course. can't have someone say, you know what? You shouldn't worry about that. Yeah. You're cured. Yes. You know, that's not how it works. <laughs> so he's right. He has to get through this himself. He can have help, but he's the one who has to overcome this in his mind. Yes. And and he, he definitely, like, that is the right way to go about it. But then to, he finally kind of gets through it eventually. But but it's it's the whole idea of, like, you want to do something yourself, but then you're just totally refusing help from anyone. He's shutting everyone out. Yeah. He won't talk to us. His dad even says, like, he won't even talk to us. Yeah. You know? He doesn't say a word. Yeah. And and then, and in that shed scene, it's, it's a really kind of uh, weirdly scary moment. Yeah, because he's got that gun too. He does. Kind of like, well, is he gonna? What's he gonna do with? That? Yeah, and he and he's like, like he's cleaning the gun at one point, and he's looking down the barrel, mm-hmm. and and Wilma's go like, that's not loaded, is it? He's like, no, of course not. What do you think I am? And then his kid sister comes over to the window with her yeah. friends. Yeah, and they're like peering in, like kind of spying on Wilma and Homer, like they're gonna kiss and they're gonna laugh about it. And you think that's where the scene is going? Instead, Homer walks over and tries to. We've seen him open doors with these with these hooks. Mm-hmm. And he can't do it because he's, you know, getting emotional and angry. Yeah. So then he puts the hooks through the window mm-hmm. and threatens the kids. He breaks the window with the hook hands. Yes. And screams at them. It's pretty scary. It is. Imagine these kids seeing that. Holy shit. And they all back away like they really are scared. And you know, they're like these seven-year-old kids. They think he's some kind of monster. Right. That's why they're looking at him. Yeah. They're, they're staring you know, at him because sh- they don't understand these kids things. do that. Of course. I mean, but your kids, like you said, they don't understand. They want to see it. Right. To just like lash out like that. Oh, man. And say, you know, you want to see this? Look. And he breaks the glass. You, you want to see the freak, he says? Yeah. God. And then... Homer realizes what he did, <laughs> like, after the fact. He's like, all right, you know, I'm sorry I did that. Yeah. Go play, you know. Right. I mean, it's too late by then. They're oh, yeah. already, it, it, yeah, this, it's done. They're scarred now. Yeah. And then he even he even says to Wilma, like, I, I overreacted. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> he realizes what he's done. Yeah. But he still can't get over it. Nope. <laughs> and and I mean like d- despite the the w- when we're introduced to him in that airplane with the other guys I mean like there is a truly impressive lighting of a match that happens yeah uh, when yeah. Uh, they're all having cigarettes and Homer says oh that's okay I got it he mm-hmm. gets the one hook into his pocket takes out a book of matches with the other hook manages to get the match out and you know yeah, like strikes like, it put it to yes strikes it up flawlessly i mean it's not even on like the fourth or fifth Mm -hmm. try it's it's one one fluid motion so we know that this guy can function in the world Mm -hmm. with this disability but because he's not on a ship somewhere surrounded by just you know like and having like something to do every day he's afraid of what it's going to be like right and i was worried at first that all right so they're just they're going to be showcasing this dude to yeah. see his talents with his hooks. Of course. I was kind of worried that was going to happen. Right, right. And it really didn't. No. We see him doing things, which is fine, and it's actually important for his character to be yeah. doing these things and for us to know he can do these things. But it's but you're right. It's still an afterthought. Right. It's not, It's not. you know, hey, here's this trick this yes. guy can do. Yes. No, it's not that. The, the he, only... can't, he can't play piano, you know. That's his trick, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, the only one that is showcased, like you said, is that first thing because it's mm-hmm. the first thing we see him do. And it's like, oh, okay, well, he's kind of fine. This guy is fully capable. Yeah. You know, until we – I guess we'll just keep going with Homer. That's fine, you know? yeah. I mean, until we see him in the bedroom scene right. with Wilma. 
Which is the best scene in this movie. Okay. If you ask me. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. He gets out of bed to go down and get some milk. And Wilma Wilma sees him and comes down from her house. She's the neighbor. Yes. She comes over and says, I saw you get up and I need to come over. I need to talk to you. Because the whole movie, this is near the end of the movie. She's been trying to get through to him. Like, are you an idiot? I love you. What's wrong with you? Right, (laughs) right. And they have a talk again about all this stuff. And he's like, I'm getting ready for bed. Why don't you come and I'll show you something. Mm -hmm. And he goes up there and he starts getting ready for bed. And he takes off his you know, shirt with his hooks and he's got to do some weird maneuvers to get it off because he doesn't have his hands. So then he uses his hooks to, he unhinges his hooks from his arms. Right. It's in this harness thing. It's like some harness. And he says like, I learned how to do this. And he like wiggles them off. And then they come off of his forearms and they lay, they're laying on his bed. And he's like, those are my hands right there. I'm completely helpless right now. And he's standing there with just his, you know, his elbows and he's totally exposed to her, saying, "This I'm completely helpless right now. I can't even put those on if I wanted to. Right. I can't put my hands back on. I can't even open the door if it closes. I have to scream like a baby to get someone to help me. Jeez. And he's like, this is what you want, you know? And she's, and she's the greatest woman ever. And it's just like, this is exactly what I want. Yeah, you know? exactly. I know. <laughs> And because he exposed himself that finally that much and still sees that she doesn't care about it. And she just loves him. He finally just accepts it at this moment. He finally wises up and, yeah. and accepts her love. And she tucks him into bed, yep. gets him ready. And then when she leaves the room, I love this little touch. She doesn't close the door. She leaves it correct. Right. Perfect. Because, right. <laughs> I mean, like, like... Yes, he he was correct in that, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be depending on you for every little thing, you know, mm-hmm. in our lives for the next 60 years. Is that what you want? And her response is not, hey, how about if I leave the door open? Uh-huh. It's, I'm just going to leave the door open a crack mm-hmm. um, without telling you because, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? Problem solved. Yep. This is how, this is how we'll live. It's you great. Know, this is good. I mean, and, I was tearing up in this scene. I, of course. It was so affecting it's so good. And when she when he sits down on the bed and she kisses him, we don't even see Harold Russell. Like like we see at the back of his head and it's just, you know, mm-hmm. Colleen O'Donnell like looking up at him. Yep. And um like that is unheard of in a movie from the 1940s. Yeah. When people kiss in a movie, it's it's a two shot. Yeah. And it's it's you know, there's a swell on they the soundtrack. And, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not this. <laughs> I mean they're making like a real life thing here. It's such a good scene. Yeah. My I watched most of this movie by myself, and then my wife came in. Okay. And she watched this scene, and after it was over, she's like, that was better than most of the movies I've seen in the last 10 years. <laughs> right. I, like, I, I was just like, I know. I know. I know. That was amazing. And by the way, that dude's not an actor. Right. Yeah. You know? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Homer's great. And then they end up getting married. Yes. You know? Yes. It all works out for Homer. Right. I love uh, it. Homer and Wilma are going to be all right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other the other two characters, of course, the two primary characters, uh, one is played by Dana Andrews. It's Fred. That's Fred. Um, he was, like we mentioned before, the captain who had you know t- gotten all those missions and everything, got all those medals. And what his arc is is that he is, when, when they all had met in the pub that first night in the bar, now he is married to Virginia Mayo. Yeah. But they had not really been able to... They got married real quick, and they, they probably met at some club, yeah. some jazz joint or something, and yep. and then got married, and he shipped out. Right. You know? Right. Uh, so they're, he's in this marriage that really isn't built on anything, and I don't think either of them want to be in it. He doesn't even know where she lives. Yeah. I guess she lived with him at his parents' house? Yeah, his his dad and his stepmom, like, were, she, she was living there when he shipped out. And right. when he goes back to their place, she's not there. They say that she's gotten a job at a nightclub somewhere. She has an apartment downtown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't know exactly where. He doesn't know exactly where. So he's like kind of just knocking on doors, I guess. Yeah. And he ends up in this place. He ends up at Butch's. Yeah, he ends up at Butch's because he's he's trying to find her. He goes to all these clubs and he just goes to Butch's, you right. know, to, to drink the night away, I right, guess. Right, right. And then uh, we, we mentioned earlier, you know... Uh, Homer goes mm-hmm. there because he was, like wants to go see Butch. Yeah, I guess because he was hanging out with his family then, and they all kind of were weird. And he got up and had to leave, so That's he what came it was. down to yeah. Butch's. Mm-hmm. And then Al also ends up at Butch's, which yeah. is great because 
he goes he's like let's go out and celebrate and they go out and then they end up at butch's so it's and pretty it's, awesome it's yeah and al uh frederick march's character is play, his wife is played by Myrna loy his wife millie yeah and his daughter um played by Teresa wright yeah uh, peggy peggy um when they all kind of converge at the bar uh fred and peggy have instant chemistry yeah and um you know we know fred is married yeah and we know that that like peggy I don't know if she knows that that he's married yet. That as of that night, I think he tells her. Does he? I okay. think he tells her before he starts really trying to go in for the kill. Okay. She knows pretty early. <laughs> I think she even stops him. Like, aren't you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, right. I I, I kind of I like the romance they have. Yeah. I feel like they have good chemistry on the screen. Right. But I hate that he's just going for this woman <laughs> while he's married. It makes me so mad. <laughs> Well, let's get into it. All right, um, Fred Derry. Yeah. Yes, God. Captain Fred Derry. I know you're in an unhappy relationship. Yeah, I know you got married fast to some woman who doesn't respect you and just wants money and fame. <laughs> but you can't just marry someone and then start hitting on other girls all the time. You can't do that, man. No, you, you I don't care do if it. you're a bomber captain. <laughs> I don't <Right>. care. <laughs> and Peggy, good on her. She tries to not like perpetuate this yeah even though she wants to she doesn't encourage him as as much as she could right she could totally just be like all right cool but she's not and she's actually a really great character she's a smart capable woman yes and she kind of knows the score and i think Teresa wright is absolutely excellent in this movie she is um we'd seen her in pride of the yankees and shadow of a doubt from hitchcock Mm -hmm. um she was a really big actor around this time she was nominated for all kinds of awards at all times and and in this movie like at at certain times, it becomes almost Peggy's movie. Like her interactions with uh, with Fred are always cautious, but she still kind of keeps coming around mm-hmm. because she has the same feelings for Fred that he has for her. But like you said, I I, I know when someone is having an affair that you um, it, no matter how right it is for Fred and Peggy to get together, you just can't sanction it. Yeah, because. If you're in a relationship that you don't want to be in, the your move is to end that relationship properly. Yes, exactly. Um, and then pursue the other. You don't you don't kiss a girl <laughs> after you take her out to lunch. <laughs> you don't do that. No. You know. And then say that had to happen. I, that was a good line. Though. <laughs> it was good. He's like, it had to happen, and if it didn't happen, it was gonna happen, uh-huh. or something, something like that. Yeah. I was like, well, yeah, yeah, was, <laughs> you're right, but, <laughs> dude. Yeah, and I also back to like Peggy's maturity. Like, yeah, the way she speaks to her parents—they're very open. It's oh, a great yeah. family relationship. It is, have. and she, the scene when she tells them that she's in love with Fred and she's gonna break up that marriage—that's a great it. scene. She full on says because it. they ask her, "Well, like, what are you gonna do? You know, he's married." Yeah. And she's like, thinks about it for a second and kind of like is looking out the window and turns to the camera, you know, all melodramatically uh-huh. kind of. It's like, I'm going to end that marriage. Like, <laughs> it's really good. And then they give her a, a peace of mind, too. They're like, oh, so you know for sure that they're unhappy and you know for sure that he loves you. Did he say this stuff to you? And right. They kind of like bring her back down a little. Yeah. They, and they're arguing and they get kind of harsh towards each other. But then they like bring it back to like love again. It's it's a great scene. Yeah, it's not a Mike Nichols thing no, where they're just not. savaging each other. But like it's it's more like you said they, yeah. they it's a real family dynamic mm-hmm. where, where they still love each other at the end of having an argument. Mm-hmm. It's it's really nice. I liked it a lot. Me too. And it actually leads to my favorite scene in the movie, which is uh in the in that same bar at Butch's place. Um, and it's, yes, that's a great. Wow. You're talking about Alan Fred? Yes. Yeah, it's a really good scene. It's just the two of them, like, across the table from each other. Like, like Al is confronting Fred, <laughs> yes. saying, you know, pretty much, what are you doing mm-hmm. with my daughter? And he says to him, it's it's my favorite line of the movie, um, says, yeah, see, it might, might be a little corny and mid-Victorian, but we tell each other things, you see? And I was like, <laughs> yes! <laughs> You say you see twice in a sentence. Man, it's good. That's really good stuff. <laughs> and it's like tough guy dialogue uh-huh. like that back and forth for a good two and a half minutes. And you just want more of it. It's good, man. It's like heat. It's good. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, So uh, this leads to, oh, it's a great exchange too, because Al 
is confronting Fred, mm-hmm. saying, you know, uh, Peggy is in love with you. Yeah. Do you love her? And Fred is honest, and he's telling the truth. Yes. He says, yes. And and that's that's it. Like, it all happens real quick, too. Right. Like, it's a really tense scene. Right. The, the tension is high. and But they just come straight out, and they're not bullshitting. No. He's like, yes, I do love her. He doesn't even say, I do love her. He just says, yes. He just says, yes. And Al says, well, I appreciate that short, but, but you know, yeah. concise answer. Yeah. And honest, you know. And then he asks him about his marriage. And what what are you going to do? What's what's happening? I'm not letting my daughter get mixed up in this. Right. And then he tells him to break things off with Peggy. And he agrees. And he goes to the payphone, calls her, and just says he can't see her anymore. Right. He does it right then and there. Which is like... So... We've already talked about how we feel about men cheating on their wives. <laughs> yeah. But I got to say that, like, now we don't actually see or hear the phone call. It's happening in the background. It's true. Yeah. And um, when, because Homer walks into the bar unexpectedly and then, like, brings Al over to the piano with Butch and they're, like, oh, yeah, showing yeah. how, like, you know, they, they've, they've, they're doing this, like, kind of mix up of chopsticks and everything. Yeah. yeah. And we're, we, we see over Al's right shoulder. Like Fred, way in the back on the payphone, just having this conversation, and then we get what the content of the conversation was from Peggy in the next scene. Right, and he doesn't say mean things to her; he just tells her, you know, it, this can't be. Right, we don't need to hear this conversation. We don't right. need to see him being dramatic. Right, uh, and we, I love how we get it from Peggy's perspective. Me too, because it, the whole time he's on the phone, we're thinking, well, what is he saying? Right. Is he is he going to do it or is he just going to say, hey, let's skip town? Is he scheming? Something? Right. Yeah. Exactly. What's going on? Yeah. And then we find out he said exactly what he said he was going to say. He did it. And then Peggy learns her life lesson, which she comes out and says, you know, now I'm getting a dose of reality. You know, yeah. like I, I was an idiot and now I'm learning. Yep. She says, my, my days as a homewrecker are, are yeah, yeah. cut short. <laughs> <Right>. My career <laughs> as my a homewrecker yes. is over. Yes. <laughs> That's good. Talking to her mom about it in right. the kitchen. Yeah. yeah. Which is like, I mean, you know, I, I, I Peggy is so, you'd think that like, especially at this time in this kind of a movie, she'd be just, you know, completely destroyed yeah. and bawling on the bed. Instead, she's sitting at the table, like pulling peas out of pea pods. Yeah. And, you know, she says, I, I got some sense hammered into me. Yep. Yep. It's a, and it's about time. Right. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if the relationship had never blossomed, you know, like even in the end of the movie, yeah. like it still would have been a good end to these two characters to like kind of like like both of them said this this right. reality uh, she, awakening. Peggy is much wiser now yeah. because of this. That's right. You know, if, if you're going to if you're going to mess with somebody who's in a relationship, then you have to to accept the consequences if if it all goes to shit, which it did. And I admire her bravery, too. She invites Fred and Marie yeah. out to dinner oh, on a double date because she wants to see that happen in front of her so she can just snap out of it and not fall in love with this guy. Quite a plan. Yeah. Um, you know, like let's 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 put this dynamic out there and I'll somehow snap out of it. Yeah. Which I guess it could make sense. Yeah. But uh it doesn't this is the right before the scene where she talks to her parents about it and yep. says she's gonna break up the marriage. Right. So definitely backfires. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but there's also another great scene, the powder room scene. Oh wow. When Marie and Peggy are powdering their faces in yep. the, the bathroom at the club and you really get to see Marie's dark side here. She's <sighs> all she wants is money and just to be popular in society yep and go out to fancy dinners and clubs all the time it's all she wants it and, doesn't matter who it's with and she's complaining about how fred only makes 30 cents a week now or some crap like that yep. i think it's 35 dollars a week it's, yeah 32.50 she's like back when he was in the war and i was working we we're making 500 dollars a week or whatever yeah just and she's all she's complained about is this money and how f- Fred's not wearing his uniform anymore, and he yeah. looks normal, and she hates it. Right. She sucks. <laughs> Marie sucks. Marie's I mean, terrible. Virginia Mayo's great. I love of her. Of course, but, yeah. But, man, the character, man, she does a great job making you hate Marie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, even 
She comes into the movie about an hour into it, too. Yeah, yeah. She she's kind of gone the whole time. Right. Like the other characters are given the, are given kind of this uh, this wide swath to like develop and everything, and then when we finally see um, Dana Andrews go home and. You know, oh, Virginia Mayo is his wife. Yeah. <laughs> okay, he must be doing all right. But no, he's not. Mm-hmm. Like, um, she, she is pretty shallow right from the start. Yep. And that powder room scene, you know, first of all, when, when they first go in there, I wasn't I wasn't prepared to, to see, like, is that really what was going down in those clubs at that time? Did, did ladies actually sit down at a vanity? I think so. I think they had that. That is nuts. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's unheard of. I mean, just, just to think of, of how, I mean... Maybe I don't get out enough, but that seems like luxury, you know, <laughs> like people well, sitting down. Well, you know, Marie's not going to some shabby club. True. She's going to the finest. That's the right. Pink Flamingo or whatever uh-huh. the hell she's That's at. right. 21 or better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there has to be a live jazz band. Exactly. Or nothing at all. J.J. Hunsucker has to be in one of the booths holding court or she's not getting in. <laughs> yeah. So I, that was, that's a good scene, too. Yes. It really develops both their characters. Right. And Fred, ultimately, he ends up with Peggy. They go to Homer's wedding, and he sees her. This is the worst part of the movie, if you ask me. Okay. They kind of just kiss. They look at each other during the the vows or whatever, and they're looking at each other from across the way and realize they love each other, which is fine. Mm -hmm. And then they kiss, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah. It's like, all right, come on, guys. (laughs) This movie has been so fantastic up to this point. Yeah. And you're just kind of ending it with this. Do you think... Can't you get some kind of... A better kind of redemption or something happening here? Something. Do you feel it's not earned? That's that's the thing. Okay. It's not earned. Okay. There's nothing happening to make this happen. They just look at each other and then they kiss. See, I I actually did like it because okay. I, I felt that if they were going to have a happy ending for Fred and Peggy, that this was almost the only way they could do it. Okay. You know, um, because when Peggy shows up unattended by another man, like now it mm-hmm. is telegraphed that way. I realized just when it came out of my mouth that, that like you can kind of smell it coming. Yeah. Because Fred's not with anybody. He's he's definitely ended his marriage to uh to Marie. Um yeah. and she's rubbed it in his face by like having a gentleman call her oh, yeah. there when she knows he's coming home. Um And I want a divorce. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like like Fred is kind of let off the hook a little yeah. too easily that way because like Marie is so disgusting. Yeah. Um but at the same time, because this was such a fantastic movie leading up to this, I, I'm going to give him a pass on this. I, I, I get, I get, I'll give it a pass. Okay. I'm going to give it a pass. Okay. But <laughs> it just it just went from I'm never going to talk to you again to we're gonna, now we're happily ever after. True. Right. Like it, something has to happen. Okay. Yeah. I, I hear you. I don't know. Because the, 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 the ending of their relationship was such a hard life lesson. Yeah, that, that you, you kind of imagine yourself in that position and be like, wow, that would be tough and to they get don't, over. Maybe it's because they don't even really say much to each other. Yeah. Like maybe if she would say something like, well, I thought you were going to never do this or whatever. Okay. And they kind of just say something witty or something to each other. Yeah. That maybe would have made it even But I don't know. <laughs> it was just just how like convenient it was. I was just like, okay. Yeah. This movie's still the one of the best movies of I've ever seen. Of course it is. Of course it is. So it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, we, we have the, the two of them that can then like Al is, is mixed up in the, um, in the Fred and Peggy thing. Yeah. But he's also got his own, um, like piece of it in that when he goes back to work at the, well, before he goes back to work at the bank, him and Myrna Loy, his wife, Millie. Yeah. They have to also kind of not repair their relationship, but kind of acclimate back. Um, yeah, I really like that. And it's it's really well done because like he's been away for three years. You can't just walk back into the house and and you and your wife have the same uh, dynamic you had, even if you were getting along when when you left. Um, it's almost a first date again. It is, and like you said, they do a great job of this. Yeah, because it's it's almost kind of awkward between them. Yes, and even even their kids. It's just, he's just really weird around them. They don't know how to behave around each other anymore. It's painful with him and his son. Oh, yeah. And by the way, his son sucks. <laughs> this kid can't act. I don't know who this kid was. This kid sucks. He was like, I mean, maybe Mickey Rooney's best friend or something. I don't know who this kid is, but yeah, he's terrible. His name's, I think his name's Rob in the in the movie. Yes. I mean, he's asking his dad about atomic energy, uh-huh. and I'm just like, are you reading from a cue card? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> right. 
This kid oh. is terrible. Yeah, he is. I'm glad he's hardly in the movie. Oh yeah. This Thank is God. Th- this is like a homeless man's Andy Hardy. I mean, I don't know who that where they do where they dug this kid up, but he is nothing. Come on, William Wyler. Right. You can do better than this. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, but there's there's scenes when like Fred's like eating breakfast or not Fred, Al, he's like eating breakfast and then Millie's like doing things around the house and they're kind of like saying things to each other like, "Well, why don't why aren't you doing this? Yep. Like, why don't you come sit by me?" Like just they they don't know how to behave around each other right now. Right, they, they got to readjust, and it's a it's just shown perfectly. It's really it's really uncomfortable, and and the two actors are, are really really you know playing it well, mm-hmm. making making this um, really uncomfortable um, back and forth that they have, and the the, re- the whole reason they go to the bar together that night they they don't even just go to Butch's. They went to like seven different oh, they, places. They went hopping. Yes, it was Peggy, Al, and Millie, mm-hmm. and like the. I think that the reason Peggy and Millie agree to Al's proposition of let's go out like so readily on a school night mm-hmm. is because they're like, Hey, yeah, we got to get out of this, you know, apartment. I, I think so too. Let, let, let's, let's figure and, something and out. Little Robbie went to bed already. And exactly. He's in high school still, so he can't go out to the clubs. <laughs> the way she sent, like he goes to bed on the orders, I think of his sister <laughs> and he's, he's like 17, mm-hmm. but he's pretending to be 11 or something because he's like, Oh yes. Okay. I'll go to bed now. I mean, I don't yeah, know. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I'm glad he's not in the movie. Exactly. I know. It says he disappears from the movie in the next <laughs> That's morning. <hilarious. laughs> I think he sees uh, he sees Fred after the after Fred wakes up from the hangover yes. from Butch's. <laughs> he sees him in the hallway and he's like, "Oh, hey, Fred, I uh, gotta get my football. Uh, see you later." Yes. It's so stupid. He's got oh. a piece of toast, and then out of he's his gone. Mouth. Yeah, I think he dies on the field that day at practice, <laughs> and we just never see him again. Which is deleted scene. Death? Yeah. Oh man, I wish. When he came back from the war and he's having flashbacks and he, like he gets killed on the field. <laughs> this kid sucks. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but they, they do a great job with that. Yeah. Um and then after after this great this great moment of um like the, the, the best moment between Millie and Al is is the morning after the party. Um she comes in to like give him breakfast in bed. Oh yeah, yeah. And he had gotten up. She she expected him to still be asleep because he was, you know, he had really tied one on the night before. And, and this is the first morning. Uh-huh. Back from the war. Yes. Wow. So this is like <laughs> this is still really, you know, she has to tread softly here. Uh-huh. They both do. And it turns out Al has fixed himself up. He mm-hmm. went and took a shower. Um, and in a really, I, I have to admit, I, I got a kick out of that shower gag where he was in his p- pajamas still. Yeah. That, that, that made me chuckle. <laughs> um, it was a cheap joke, but I, but I appreciated it. I, I didn't laugh. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is he that tired or? Yeah. Like- <laughs> it, it doesn't seem like something you'd ever actually do, but, but I got a, I got a kick out of it. Um, but he like puts on a nice robe. He's dressed like Peter Bogdanovich for some reason. He's got like an ascot on and he slicked back his hair. It was, it was kind of strange before we get to the good moment because like, it's a thing I love in movies from this time up until like the eighties where I had no business being there, but Uh like publicity photos that are in movies, Mm -hmm. like on, on his wife's vanity is, is a picture of, it's not of Al. It's of Frederick March. (laughs) It is a studio picture. Yes. Like he's got slick back (laughs) hair. He's got like a cigarette dramatically. It's in that gold frame. Yes. I mean, I'm like, what? Oh God, that's not a picture of your husband. I mean, that's a movie star picture. Right. Yeah. And then she's like, well, I brought you this breakfast Uh and he, he doesn't know what to do. Like, and she doesn't know what to do. Right. Like he's already up. Is he going to, he lays back in bed and. No, he doesn't even lay in the bed. Does he, he doesn't. She like sets it on the bed while he's like about to sit, or so. it's just awkward. She's asking him yeah. to like go back into bed because she's giving him this breakfast, and he's already like you know all dressed up and everything. So, like the only the only thing she can do while he's awkwardly talking is like kind of get the bed ready, and then she puts the tray there, and she's about to leave, and he just takes her arm and they they kiss. Yeah, and then we fade because that's the language of film at the time was they're gonna. You know, right. Getting down. Exactly. They're figuring it out, mm-hmm. um, which is great. It's a great way to show it. And like after that moment, um, yeah, things aren't as they were three years ago. Yeah. But this is the start of it. Right. And even that scene when uh, Peggy is saying she's going to wreck this marriage to them. Yeah. And she says, you know, you guys have never had problems ever. Mm. You don't understand me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You've, 
you're in love and you don't care and you've never had a problem once. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, what? What are you talking what are, about? What is wrong with you? Yeah. And they're just like, yeah, we've they, – they kind of do it sarcastically. They're like, oh, yeah, we've – We've never had a problem. Right. Like, exactly. <laughs> it's great. But I mean, people who have been yeah. married for 20 years, like mm-hmm. it's a problem, you know, <laughs> twice a month. I mean, and, the yeah. relationship takes all, you have to cultivate these things every day. And they're like, I think it was Myrna Loy says, you know, we've fallen out of love mm-hmm. and back in love too many times to count. Of course. Like, and they don't tell her like, shut the hell up or anything. They just say that. Yeah. And she realizes it herself, like, okay, maybe I'm uh, acting a little childish here. Exactly. Yeah. And and th- th- they could have been a lot more condescending to her, like, mm-hmm. look, little girl, so-and-so. Mm-hmm. But instead, they, they just, they get a little bit sarcastic with Myrna Lloyd making mm-hmm. that speech. But yeah. it's, it, the, the message is sent. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're talking about. And, and like, I mean, just consider that, that these people are probably in their early 40s at the time. How much longer are they going to have to, like, fall in and out of love over the next 40 years if they stay alive yeah. that long? And they're doing it right now. Of course. They're getting back into it. Yep. So shut up, Peggy. <laughs> right. Go break up a marriage. Yes, exactly. Go. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. And Al, like, what is it? What happens to Al? Well, he, I know he, he's having work trouble. Yes. I know that. And his work trouble is kind of hard to define because... I don't know if his boss is behind him or if he's not. Yeah. Um, because the the controversy at work arises from after they give him this promotion to make him like vice president of like veterans affairs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, a veteran comes in wanting a loan to start this farm. Yeah, Novak. I think yes, is his, name. his name is Novak, and he doesn't have anything to put up, you know, as collateral. Mm-hmm. And Al uh, makes the decision to give him the loan because he like just likes the cut he, uh... of this guy's jib. What happens, he's about to deny him, and he sees Homer come in to make a deposit. That's right. And he goes and talks to Homer for a second, and then he comes back uh, with his mind changed. Like, you know what? Uh, I think seeing Homer there Mm -hmm. made him realize, you know, we got to help each other, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, you know, I'm going to give you this loan, even though you have no collateral, but Mm -hmm. you're, you're our collateral. Right. You know? That's what he tells his boss when they confront him about this loan mm-hmm. with no collateral. Yes. He's like, I I was put in this position because you knew that I could read these people and make good decisions. This man here is the collateral we need. Because I've met a lot of people in the war, and I can tell if you can trust someone or if you can't. Right. And this guy we can trust. Right. So it puts his faith in him. Which which I don't... The, the boss, the, the president of the bank takes this. He says, okay, yeah, I, I, see, where, I see where you're going mm-hmm. with it. But then that night when they have this kind of uh, mm-hmm. like gala for, for bankers or whatever, and Al makes this speech. The banker's ball. The I banker's guess. ball, whatever it is. <laughs> there, and Al makes this speech, which I can't tell if he's drunk or not. Um, well, he's definitely drunk. Okay, he is. Because Myrna Lois has tally marks of how many oh, you know, right. scotch and sodas he's had. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, at least five. Because <laughs> she puts a slash through <laughs> yeah. the floor, right. <laughs> Um, and Al's making a, a very impassioned speech more to the audience than to the people who are in the movie of like, we need to yeah. you know, repair society. And the way to do that is by taking these people who have made sacrifices and putting our faith in them. Mm-hmm. And his boss is shifting in his seat a little bit and he's with Al a little bit, but he's also kind of not with Al. His face changes throughout the speech. Yeah. So I'm, I'm never certain whether or not this guy is going to dismiss Al at some point because right. it's just like he's giving... Uh, loans without thought or whether he's like going to totally commit to this uh, philosophy. Right. And I think he talks to his wife afterwards saying, you know, they won't get rid of me, but they might be mad at me for saying this, but he's confident they're not going to get rid of him. Right. He even says in the speech, like he tells a story about how they needed to take the hill. Yes. But uh, they didn't have any collateral, Mm. so they they didn't do it. And then they lost the war. (laughs) Right. Right. It's like a big F you to his boss. Totally. I know. I can't believe he gets away with that. Because <laughs> he is directly addressing this man. Yes. You know? It's good. <laughs> right. Good stuff. All right. Um, what What else? What else oh, about this great geez. movie, Dave? Well, man, I mean, we could go on and on, of course, but like, I don't know if this is true or not. At least as far as I'm concerned, it's the earliest depiction I know of of post-traumatic stress disorder. It could be. Um... I mean, and we see it first with, um, I think with Dana Andrews, um, he is like laying in bed after they had partied that night at Butch's. Yeah. Yeah. 
and um, Peggy like hears some ruckus coming from from that room. She comes in shouting, and, yes, and he's like shouting, and he's he's like. It's obvious he's dreaming about like taking a hill or something, or or you know doing like they have to parachute out or something. That's what like, it is. Uh, yes, Kowalski or something is is dying. Right, something like that. Right, and she has to like wake him from it. And in a really good move that I wasn't expecting, you know, like when he's got his eyes closed and he's just kind of like saying this stuff. And when she wakes him, he is awake. His eyes are open, but he's still talking and yeah. he's still in yeah. the dream. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, it was just a really nice touch that I was like, wow, it is. You know? It's great. Uh, and Peggy comforts him and puts him back to bed. Yep. And, and when this scene was happening, I'm like, his wife needs to be doing this. And we haven't met his wife yet. Right. We just know she's gone. Yeah. Like, and I'm thinking, all right, this, this lady, she needs to be here with her husband. <laughs> of course. And she's not. Right. And she should be doing this. Not some stranger who just was at a bar with them. He's known for three be, hours. Yeah. Yeah. She shouldn't be comforting him and putting him back in bed. Right. Uh, your wife needs to be doing that for yes. you. Yes, yes. Uh, and also later in the film, when he's walking through that scrapyard, that is oh, some wow. ghostly imagery of You're all... Right. Just these endless rows of planes that are going to be scrapped and forgot of. Yes. At, like, what an enormous waste of things. Just, right. Like, these were used for the war. And even when they're flying in... At the beginning, they're like, look at the scrapyard. Like, m- most of those look brand new. Mm-hmm. You know, we produced them, but we don't need them anymore. So yeah. we're just going to scrap them, get rid of them. You know, right. what a waste. I know. And that's a whole different commentary on war. But like the post traumatic stuff, he's walking around looking at the planes and he crawls into one, mm-hmm. like one he used to fly, not the exact one, I'm sure, but the same model or whatever. And he's yes. sitting in the cockpit. And good Lord, this is a wonderful shot. He's like sitting there with the camera behind his back looking like out the cockpit windows and stuff and it's so bright shining in it's like foggy and glary and you just hear like the flashback plane in his head of like planes flying and right. guns firing and fire and everything and the camera's kind of just zooming in towards him as this is happening and it, it it finally snaps through the trance when some guy's like hey what are you doing up there mm-hmm. like this he's up there just like reliving this nightmarish moment and before the guy like confronts him, the guy who runs the salvage yard, mm-hmm. like the the last part of the shot is is going. There's a bullet hole in the glass. Yeah, yeah. And there's a, a there's a really good like shatter effect there, mm-hmm. and we're actually seeing Dana Andrews' pupil through that through that bullet hole, mm-hmm. and it's like, boy, you know, like anybody who was a gunner on that plane, they died in this plane. Yeah, you know, like that guy. That guy's done. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I, along with the PTSD stuff, this might be the first movie, at least the first American movie, to deal with this subject overall. Of like, this is not a celebration of war. It's all, really not. No. All war movies up to that point had been like battleground stuff mm-hmm. and like her, you know, acts of heroism in mm-hmm. in warfare. This is a really like meditative take on just like what it's like to actually be in a war. Yeah, and well, they, especially World War Two. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if you had done this and and you could make this same film in Germany or Japan or Italy or Russia mm-hmm. or France or the UK. Right. Um, you know, it's not jingoistic. No, you know? not it's at all. It's saying, you know, we're coming home from something and dealing with readjustment. Yes. It doesn't matter what country you're in. Of course You're going to be dealing with this either way. Because the enemies in these conflicts are the people who start the wars, mm-hmm. obviously. It, it's it's the, 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 the men in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, the soldiers are asked to do things that are unthinkable. And if they somehow make it out, they're expected to like come back to a society that does or doesn't want them. Mm-hmm. Or does or doesn't know how to deal with them, even if they do want them. Mm-hmm. And... I, I mean, I, I hope I'm right in saying that this was the first maybe just big American movie to to tackle that subject head on. It could be. You know. I don't know. I mean, it and, it and if it was the first, it did an amazing job because, like, this feels as modern as hell. It does. You know? Like, it did not feel of its time. No. Even with, like, you said the film language of the time, you kiss your wife in the bedroom. Of and course. That's, that's sex. Yes. Yes, you know? exactly. Like, that's, yeah. Yes. Like, that doesn't feel like that. This no. feels... It's timeless. This and is timeless. It is. The only like not definite 1940s touch is 
my favorite scene in the movie, which is Frederick March and Dana Andrews having that back and forth. Yeah. Um, that's great though, because like that deserves to be there because it doesn't have to be in the, in that staccato rhythm of 1940s dialogue, right. but it's there because these guys are in the 1940s and that's how people talked. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you so see? exactly, <laughs> exactly. You, you said C at the end of every sentence. That's just what you did. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's wonderful. It is. It's, it's the greatest. I mean, what can you say that this movie is awesome? Yeah. And, uh, well, Anything else you want to say about the movie? Um, did you know Virginia Mayo's from St. Louis? I think I knew that. Okay, yeah. I think yeah. I knew that. She's got a star on the Walk of Fame over yeah. in the loop. I've walked on it. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, dude. Yep. <laughs> um, so would you recommend the movie, Dave? This is a five-star recommend. Yeah, this is an essential. Everyone should see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, easy, easy five-star. Yep. Uh, one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. Yes. Super great. Amazing, mm-hmm. wonderful. Right. Everyone watch this movie right now. It's <laughs> yeah. on Filmstruck if you have Filmstruck. That's right. So you have no excuse. No. Go for it. And if, if you don't have Filmstruck, go to the library. Go. Consult your local library, everybody. <laughs> yeah, Remember yeah. that? LeVar Burton will help That's you with that. That's right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, that wraps things up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Apple Podcasts, rate it, review it. Most of all, share it. It gets more dudes listening to the dudes. And if you don't use Apple Podcasts, find us anywhere else you get a podcast. We're anywhere you can find us. Uh, anywhere on the internet. So look for us on the internet. (laughs) I got all jumbled up. I'm sorry. This movie's too good. I'm still thinking about it. Um, Or go to dudesonmovies.com and you can find anything you need right there. Yes, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Look for Dudes on Movies. Our email address is dudesonmovies at Mm gmail.com. Yeah, definitely check out that Instagram. Yes. Lots of cool pics. A lot of action going on there. Yeah, so uh, now uh, we also got a phone number, 304-804-DUDE. You can call and leave us a voicemail with your answer to the question of the week. Yes, and the question of the week is, what is your favorite cinematic depiction of readjusting to civilian society after a long time away? Yeah, so like uh, like this movie, they come back from war, mm-hmm. or something like uh, American Me, yes. coming back from prison, That's something right. like that, you yep. know, readjusting to normal civilian life. That's it. Uh, give us your favorite example of that. And stay tuned. Next week, we're going to do 1994's Heavenly Creatures, directed by Peter Jackson and starring Kate Winslet and Melanie Linsky. So until next week, I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And we'll see you next time. 